This is Farmland. Coming up. He may have lost the race for the Auris, but does former presidential candidate and businessman Peter Casey intend to run in the next general election on a rural-based mantra? He's here to tell us more. Richard Kennedy, the deputy president of the Irish Farmers Association, will outline the changes he believes are needed to the country's judicial and policing systems in order for farmers and rural dwellers to protect themselves against criminal gangs. And staying on the topic of rural crime, Fianna Fáil spokesperson on food, horticulture and forestry, Jackie Cahill, will address what his party is doing to tackle farm thefts and rural isolation. But first, why did one in five voters support maverick independent Peter Casey during this year's presidential election? Sylvester Phelan has been asking farmers. Did you vote for um, Peter Casey in the last election? Did I vote for him? I did. Uh, uh, why did you vote for him? I voted for him because uh, he was the only man who would call a spade a spade. The rest of them were a shower of hypocrites. Sure. That's all. I just suppose, um, do you think that, like in general, are rural issues being a are they prioritised by government? No, no, definitely not. Inside the pale is one set of regulations, outside the pale is another. Did you vote for Peter Casey? I would have. Why did you? I think he was talking about his sense he was. Are rural issues a priority for the current government? Should be, should be alright, yes. I wouldn't have bothered me asked voting, but... But then when they heard Casey on the television, I'm going to vote for that Peter Casey. Yeah. You know, and everyone kind of, in the la it's only in the week before the election, this was going around. Jesus, this fellow is the only one that seems to yeah. be realistic about it. And it, it showed up in the vote. And that was in, in one week, it went from no one was interested in, the I know was interested in even voting. Next, I'm going to vote for that Casey fellow. You know, yeah. not that we even knew him or Adam, but he seemed to be saying the right things. That's just it. Uh, Sorry, did you vote for Peter Casey in the last election? Uh, no. no. Uh, what were your reasons? I suppose I liked Michael uh, B. Did. Some reason, but, uh, yeah. Good man he is. And, uh, did you, um, do you think that rural issues are being our, a priority for government? It's hard to say. Oh, well, some of them are, some of them aren't. Like. <laughs> We have to vote now and sell our cattle. Did you vote for Peter Casey in the last election? Give him one vote, yeah. Because he just a little bit more to say than the rest of them. I just... No, I, I, I thought he was a bit more direct about what he had to say. It's on. Are rural issues a priority for government? Of course they are, yeah. Yeah, very much so. Oh, sorry, did you vote for Peter Casey in the last election? I did not. And uh, what, why, what were your reasons? Uh, no reason why. Oh, he said the throat though, didn't he? Right. And uh, are rural issues a priority for government currently? I'd say so, yes. Yes. Why didn't I vote for Peter Casey? Yeah. Well, there was lots of other choices. Why would I vote for him? And, uh, what was wrong with the lad we had? You're doing all right. And um, do you think that rural issues are a priority for government at present? No. Uh, no, it's all Brexit, isn't it? Did you vote for Peter Casey in the last election? No. Didn't um, vote at all. 
Did you vote for Peter Casey in the last election? No. Uh, why not? I just don't know. <laughs> just didn't anyway. <laughs> and, uh, do you think rural issues are a priority for government? Oh, sure, I suppose they should be anyway. Shouldn't they be? I'm joined now by Peter Casey, one of the unsuccessful candidates in this year's presidential election. Peter, thank you very much for joining us. I say unsuccessful, unsuccessful Peter, but you did manage to generate 23.3% of the vote and you landed in second position in the polls. Mm -hmm. Reflecting back on your presidential campaign, why do you think you generated such a strong following? Uh, Claire, I think the real reason was I actually spoke from the heart and I said things that just, there's not a great filter. Uh, and I said things as I saw them. And uh, people, I said what people were thinking in a lot of cases, uh, but we're not uh, saying it. Are you referring there to the comments that were made about the travelling community? Peter, <coughs> I know you received a lot of criticism and some praise for it. Um, reflecting back, do you have any regrets about what you said on that issue? Uh, none whatsoever. I mean, I didn't say anything uh, wrong. All I said was uh, this was I identified that there was a problem that needed to be solved and talked about. Uh, I then made it very clear that I was not a racist. I don't see the travelling community as a different race. Uh, I, it came about because I was asked to go down to Tipperary because Tipperary was one of the four counties, Claire, that nominated me and I was privileged to be nominated by uh, Kerry and obviously uh, Claire, Tipperary and Limerick. And I went down and I asked them, you know, why is there a housing crisis? You know, and because there's 3,500 vacant homes uh, around Ireland. So I said, you know, why is this? And they said, well, people are turning down homes. You know, they're two, they've been given an opportunity to turn it down up to three times. And I said, why is some turning down an empty house, a lovely house, you know? And they said, well, actually, there's something you should see down here. There's six lovely homes that are empty and people won't move in. I said, you're, you're kidding me. And I said, no. And they told me that there were six houses that had been built for a traveling community. And they were sitting there empty. They cost 1.7 million to build. And I just went, this is just, why are they not moving in? And they said, well, they want an acre of land each and two stables. <laughs> I said, you're, 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 you're kidding. And, you know, so you have to put things in perspective, Claire. I left Ireland uh, a long time ago. We had a travelling community in Derry. Uh, there was absolutely no problems whatsoever with the travelling community that lived in Derry. Um, my mother actually taught travellers in Nather's house. And so I was completely unaware of the sort of atmosphere that I created. It, it took me by complete surprise. Um, now, I talked about many other things, by the way. Uh, and I, I asked, for example, uh, with broadband in rural Ireland, I called for Dennis Nocton's resignation because I had gone down to him and explained to him a long time ago that uh, digging holes in the ground, putting in fibre optic cables will never be the way to, you know, and to, to go. And the reason for that is I'd been to India a lot of times and in India they went straight to 5G in many cases. So um, the Minister Nocton had completely misrepresented uh, the whole communication problem. 
And uh, so it, people were led to believe that they needed 150 megabyte. You don't need 150 megabyte. All you need is 20 to 25. And at a certain point, 4G will give you exactly what you need. But more importantly, you'll be able to get four bars on your cell on your cell phone. You know, you know how frustrating it is when you're driving around and you're down to one bar and you lose the phone call? If everybody had gone to 4G instead of going this nonsense, we've spent one and a half billion putting fibre optic cables in the ground. In three or four years' time, we'll, not, we'll be going, why do we waste all that money? So that was another example of where I just called it, where, as I saw it. I said, Norton should be fired. Um, I asked for Shane Ross's resignation. <laughs> you know, I said, you know, he introduced a 50% increase in VAT uh, for, you know, um, and a lot of hotels and restaurants in rural Ireland are going to go broke. He introduced it during the winter, the worst time. Yeah, you know, it's just so, he seems to be so out of, out of touch with what's going on in rural Ireland, you know, and, and a 50% increase in VAT. Yeah, and, and, and he, you know, you don't notice it if you're in a restaurant in Dublin, you know, it's a rounding up area. You just get the bill and you sign it. But in rural Ireland, a 50% increase in VAT is just, it's putting a lot of people out of business. In the days following the election, Peter, you were mm -hmm. linked to Fianna Fáil as a potential uh, general election candidate. <laughs> More recently, you've yeah. been linked to the Independent Alliance. And as you mentioned, you've got <clears throat> your very strong business acumen, your business background, a global position on a global scale. Um, why do you think you have a place within Irish politics? What is your motivation? Um, just getting back to the Independent Alliance uh, linkage, uh, that came about because at the inauguration I was uh, speaking with Shane Ross and uh, I spoke with him for quite some time and I, was I wasn't seeking for an application to join his grouping. I was giving him a hard time because this uh, two two things. One was introducing uh, doubling the VAT, which is going to have a devastating effect in rural Ireland. Introducing VAT, fifty percent increase in VAT, just as we're going into the hardest time for these struggling businesses to survive. He actually doubled VAT. Now, if he in Dublin, you don't notice it so much. It's a rounding error. In rural Ireland, these restaurants and hotels are struggling in the wintertime. You know, they, they really have got four or five good months of the year and then they have to try and make up the rest of the money, you know, in the, in the good months for the bad months. And he introduced it right at the worst time. So I, I give him a hard time about that. I also talked to him about the, this whole idea of uh, zero tolerance and lowering the alcohol levels and, you know, the new drink the, driving. The new drink driving. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm 100% against drink driving. But you have to recognize there's a difference between a 17 year old and a 60 year old. You know, you know your body better. Now, I believe there should be zero tolerance for people up to the age of, say, 21, 22. Uh, but then have a slightly higher level of tolerance as you get older. Because when you're 16, 17 year old, you know, driving your car for the first time, you're inexperienced, you're yeah, taking an alcoholic beverage, you shouldn't be allowed to, you know, so I would completely have zero tolerance. But then as you get older, you know, the farmer who's in rural Ireland, 
he likes to go down to the pub, have a jar, you know, and he's never had an accident in his life. He's never had a crash in his life. He can drink a, a couple of pints and be totally sober, totally above, below the limit. Um, so I think the limit should be slightly higher, you know, for an older person. Um, now, the other thing I talked to him about was we need to introduce Uber in rural Ireland. And What's Uber? Uber is, you know, a commercial taxi driving system where people can, uh, like there's a lot of pioneers in rural Ireland, farmers who don't drink, never drunk, never have had alcohol, but they need some extra income. And they, if they were licensed to drive and pick up people from their farms, take them to the pub, bring them back from the pub, it would be a source of income for the farmers in rural Ireland. And, and you mentioned this to Minister Ross. <clears throat> oh, I said it. I said it's a disgrace that he hasn't uh, introduced it. You know, I said it could create income uh, for the non-drinkers, and it would allow the. There's an awful lot of loneliness and isolation in rural Ireland, and you need to look at ways of overcoming that. And I believe that that's one solution would be to have a, an Uber system. Uh, we just ring up somebody who's then licensed, who can pick you up, take you down to the pub, have a jar, pick you up and drive you back. And, you know, that would overcome loneliness and isolation in rural Ireland is, is a problem. And that's what when I, that's all I was talking to Shane. And broadband about. is obviously crucial to that. <clears throat> well, broadband is like, it's such, it's such a simple solution to it. There's, so, for example, I went down and I explained to Minister Nocton, uh, Dennis Nocton, when he first took on the ministerial post, I said, fibre is not the way to go. I said, we need to go to 4G. 4G will allow you to get um, up to 25 meg, uh, and that's all you need to do streaming for, that's all you need to run your small business. There's a, basically, the, the people have been lied to. They've been made to think that you need 150 meg. You know, you don't. Now, 150 meg would be nice, but you don't need it to stream. You don't need it to run your business. But more importantly, if you'd gone down the 4G route on your cell phone, you would be able to get four or five bars all the time. And that's what's needed in rural Ireland. The tele telephone and communications, at a certain level, they inter interact with each other, you know, and you don't need to put fibre optic cables. It's just in four or five time, years' time, Claire, we'll be wondering, why did we spend all that money putting in fibre optic cables that we're not using. So, Peter, are you interested in joining the Independent Alliance or Fianna Fáil? Uh, I haven't made a... F well, Fianna Fáil have made it clear that uh, there's no room in the party. Apparently, they're not accepting nominations or uh, applications uh, at the moment. So... Um, and the Independent Alliance? Uh, it's early days, Claire. We'll make a decision on that one. And Would you be open to it? Um, I'm definitely going to stand for election. And it'll definitely be in rural Ireland. So rural Ireland is the main issue that you would like to, one of the main issues that you would like to campaign on. So currently as it stands, mm -hmm. do you have confidence in the <clears throat> government to look after rural areas, to sustain rural areas? Because obviously <clears throat> there are huge challenges coming down the track in terms of climate mm -hmm. change, Brexit, the reform of the common agricultural policy. These are major issues affecting yeah. uh, rural communities. I think it's safe to say, Claire, I have zero confidence in the current government. You know, and I think that what we have at the moment is a, 
a spineless government. We have a government that's held together by sellotape. Uh, you know, I've absolutely no idea why uh, Michal Martin, who is a good person, why he has entered into this confidence and supply nonsense. All it is doing is supplying confidence to Fine Gael. You know, it is to me just bizarre that it's been allowed to go on for so long. Uh, the result of that is you've got weak government. You've got... Uh, Minorities that are getting much more influence and power than they deserve. They're able to get through bits of legislation that never should have been passed and approved, you know. And, uh, you know, a good example is this ethnic minority, uh, you know, which basically discriminates in favor of one particular community. And what you need is inclusion, not exclusion. They're basically saying this part of the community is different to this part of the community, and they're not. We're all the same. You know, there are so many wonderful ethnic groups in Ireland, and we shouldn't just pick on one and say this one's different to that one. Peter, what's your position on climate change? And do you think certain sectors are being unfairly targeted <clears throat> in trying to get down our carbon footprint? Well, there's absolutely no doubt about it that there, there has been, uh, there is definite climate change. And I think for someone, for anyone to deny it is, I mean, we've, this is just nonsense. Uh, my house uh, is right on the water's edge. And in the last literally 10 years, I've seen the levels go up. Um, you know, we've got dolphins, which are beautiful. I love dolphins. There were never dolphins going up and down Loch Foyle before. I've got seals on the rocks outside my house. Now, we used to have the odd seal every now and then, but there's actually, like, there's farms of them out there, which is great, but there's there's something definitely going on with the climate. Mm -hmm. uh, this this year, for example, I think we we probably had the wettest winter probably on, for the longest time. And then we had one of the longest droughts. You know, it, it's just brutal for the farmers. We'll have to leave it there, Peter. Thanks for joining us. Next, the scourge of rural crime continues to be a major challenge for farmers and rural communities. Here's a report from Brefney O'Brien and Siobhan Walsh. The O'Briens are a farming family from Crubeny, County Cavan, who also run a small news agent in Cavan Town. The shop, along with many other small family businesses, have in recent years been targeted by robberies. Maliki O'Brien explains what happened. Well, we got the call after five o'clock this morning. Said it was a break in, and we got in here, and the guards were here. And as you can see, the window smashed. And checked the CCTV. We a guy came in around five past five this morning. He's in for about five minutes and did as much damage as he could in that space of time. He took out amber leaf. He was particularly after amber leaf and got down into the store and he emptied the store of all packets of, of, of cartons of amber leaf and whatever loose money was hanging around him. And back out the window again, that was it, gone. Maliki outlined that it is becoming an increasing issue and noted some of the alterations they had to make to the shop front. Put, put up the barrier there and in the hope that it might um, deter them, but um, didn't work last night. That's a relatively new door as well. They kicked the door in again one night as well. So it's we've had quite a few of them now. Yeah, we've had about as many as we can put up. But you know, we can't open with the window the way it is, and that you can't let people in, in into the premises. So it's 
it's closed and uh, we have to just gather up whatever newspaper we have and return them. We can sell none today. So it's the guard station is about 100 yards down the road. Down the street, 100 yards down the street. Maliki added that he believes these criminals should have far tougher sentences imposed on them when caught breaking an entry to a premises. You know, you're up against it, a small business like this. Uh, you won't see actually many businesses like this, family-run businesses. They, they don't exist anymore, you know. They, they don't. Rory and Sean Dial featured on Agriland earlier this year when their tractor and a neighbour's trailer were stolen from their farm on January 12th. Luckily, it was retrieved a few weeks later. The new tractor had been parked inside a locked shed for the night and the dials estimated that it was stolen at around 7pm. On that particular night, we um, we were only after leaving the farm and I was going swimming and Barry was going, my brother was going to the gym, I think, and Daddy was going to shop in Port or something like that. And I think I was in front of it or behind it and Daddy just missed it. So it was around, we closed around five, half five, maybe near, near six. So it was probably around half six. It, it was it was stolen, maybe closer to seven. The perpetrators attempted to unhook the trailer, but were unsuccessful and made their exit through a field beside the farmyard, knocking straw bales on the way. Locals noticed the trailer travelling with no lights on. Out the gate and had no lights on the trailer. They went around the yard, they came out of this shed, which was locked. So they broke the locks and locked the door and uh, let back down the door, but they didn't plug in the lights. And the, the, obviously there was a trailer on it, but they tried to get the trailer off it, but they mustn't have been able to get it off because they weren't able to get a stand down and they tried putting the brush, the broke handle of a brush and stuff. The Dials run a farm business, Rock Farm Feeds, and the tractor and trailer were noticed missing early the following morning, when deliveries were just about to start. The Gardaí were notified immediately. Rory also started a campaign on Facebook. Following morning, when Amanda Walsh came in and he uh, collected her tractor and trailer and went on for his load of meal, but he didn't know there was anything wrong. He well, really gave it two, open. There was two loads to be got that morning, and Connor came in and he took well, he took the, my tractor, the one I was going to be using. And when I came over then to get, well, Barry actually got before me. And he rang me, he says, Are you gone? I says, No, I'm not gone. And then obviously we figured out that. There was something was amiss then, like. There was a door broken on the shed, but other than that, there was not much damage done, like, because they had opened the door, but they had closed it back down again yeah. after them. The trailer was retrieved 10 days later. All markings and the cover had been removed. Well, I suppose it was Facebook, really, did it. it was the best best thing. We put on Facebook that morning, and within a day or so, like, we had it got to about Killaloo somewhere, or a couple of days anyway. And like everyone was so helpful on Facebook, like they were really, really helpful. Like the tractor was discovered almost a week after this. The mudguard and side panel were damaged, as well as GPS wires. The robbery had a big effect on the dials. The guards were very good work. Couldn't say a thing bad about them, like you know. Yeah, like we hard. got so far ourselves, like between us and the guards, like you know. But um, I suppose if we didn't keep at it ourselves. I probably would have never got it, like, because guards can only do so much, I suppose. And we had it on every social media thing, like, it was big enough, like, you know, there had to be something done about it, like, you know. There was a huge importance to us because we were only after buying it six months previously and we were paying the second payment on it a, a week after it being stolen. So that was an enormous, imagine having to pay a repayment and no tractor. It was a, it was a, it was a good achievement to, to have the two tractors, like, and then to have someone to bloody come in and take it on you. You know, you work so hard to get it, and someone comes in and does that to you, like, it's not really fair, but sure.
Arrests were made, but no case has been heard. In the meantime, the Dials have implemented more security measures on their farm. We have improved the security around the place now. We put in a new rolling system on the gates now that are locked Electric up. gates, like. Electric gates, much more secure, because the there was only a chain on it previously, and the chain is easily cut, as you know yourself. And we also put in concrete walls around the, on, the, on the field part of the, of the yard as well. So they couldn't the whole yard is enclosed now. It's like, enclosed now. Completely, like. like. And we still have things to do, like, we're not finished yet, but it just costs so much money, like, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm joined now by Richard Kennedy, the Deputy President of the Irish Farmers Association. Richard, in recent weeks you've been to the fore in highlighting the threat that's out there. And at a recent meeting down in Nina, uh, organised by North Tipperary IFA, farmers expressed serious concerns that the laws favour the criminal over the victim. Is this frustration justified? Well, it is. It, frustration is justified, but I think maybe maybe to not to a lesser extent because i think um the rural crime can be handled and particularly trespass it can be handled you know by the guardi are able you know by by meeting those people that are walking onto farms with lurchers and upsetting cattle and all that you know uh, uh, mainly trespass um in the main the guardi can come along and m- many of those cars that these guys are traveling in are not taxed or not insured you know and it, it, they can the, the girls can hassle the, these criminals but look at in, in the in the long term and in the medium term it is required that the law is it should be changed to favor the, the, the landowners over the criminals and so what is being done about it then? Richard? Well, we're, we're pressing that all the time, but I, at the same time, I, I don't think we can hide behind that. And I think there's a lot that can be done be, with those, um, you know, before we come to that stage, um, in, in the sense that guards, the visibility of the guards throughout the country is necessary to, to bring down the criminality that exists out in rural Ireland. And I think that's, go- that's going to happen. And uh, from that point of view, I think, you know, that I think there's a lot to be done. The gas can do a lot, um, even though the law doesn't entirely favour the, the, the landowner. And shortly after the meeting, you did have a discussion with the Garda Commissioner, Drew Harris. What was said at that meeting? And there was some speculation afterwards that new Garda, that Garda stations uh, previously closed would be reopened. But uh, what, what was the outcome there, of that there meeting? Were, there, were a num- there were a number of... Well, first of all, we were glad to have the meeting. And it was, it was at, the, at the Garda Commissioner's request. He did ask to meet us because he had seen, you know, that we were active in the space and we had been speaking to some people underneath the, the commissioner. And he, he, we, we spoke to him as in the same as what's out there in the public domain now insofar as we wanted more guard of vis- visibility. We pressed for that. We also pressed for, for um, an issue that was, re- was arising around the country was the difficulty with the different districts. The Gardaí um, from different districts, there wasn't enough of cooperation between the different districts and the Gardaí. We pressed that, that that would be alleviated, and I think that has, has happened as it is. And another issue that we put forward was a, a, a task force to complement the Gardaí in an area where there, might, where there would be a serious criminality. And we would have a task force that, went, that would go into the areas and help out the local Gardaí. And that would be moving around the country and it would be solving crime as it went. And uh, we had seen that, uh, an example of that in the UK where it worked quite well. So what would that task force consist of? Contest of four, maybe five people um, of Gardaí that would be specially designated to, 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 um, 
to go into an area to, where there is crime happening and it hasn't it isn't been solved by the the normal the regular number of policemen or guardy so it is and they would go in and obviously they would be they would be they'd be given whatever equipment they were required whether it was more cars or or land rovers or whatever in order to solve you know to, to stay with the area, stay in the area and to solve the crime in the area and what kind of response did you get <coughs> to those suggestions we got a good response, and um, I've seen in the press in the last week where the Gardaí are, are, are looking at that and trying to put in place, you know, and I, I would be confident that, that will, we will have a situation where the task force will be, you know, will be put in place. I think the Gardaí acknowledge that there are particular areas in the country that um, when, when crime rises to an extent where the, the normal presence of Gardaí can solve it, that they will put in the task force. Because this is a recurring issue every year, particularly around this time, it is highlighted. Do you think we are making gains or are, are making progress? What are farmers saying on the ground? There has been a lot of thefts on the machinery side, Land Rovers. And um, we saw the, the, the big um, seizure in County Mead this week. Do you know, do you think that there is a level of progress being made? I, I, I am very confident. I'm really confident that, there, that there's, uh, we are making progress. And uh, I mean, it, it, we've seen, as you said, in, in recent, only yesterday, we've seen, you know, a, an operation where p- stolen property was, was found. I think overall, there's an improvement in the economy in this country. There are more guards going to be available and coming out on today, onto, you know, into the various areas around the country. And I think that's good. We'll have more guards. I think if they're properly resourced um, and increase the visibility throughout the country, and we we have... 946 branches around the country, IFA branches. And it, has, it is, as you rightly say, an issue for the last number of years. But I think, for, I think now we are, we're seeing the start of progress in this area. And one of the things you spoke about, the meeting we had with the commissioner. The commissioner did say to us before we left that he, was, that he would meet us again in three months to, to look at how the progress, what progress has been made. But changes in the law, particularly on the trespassing side, that's crucial. That's cru- that is crucial, but there is also a lot of progress that can be made. I, I wouldn't hide behind that totally because I think there's a, there's a, I think we can do a lot of work um, in solving some of these crimes. Um, I, we can't we can't wait until those laws are changed. That's my that's my view. That takes that takes time, and obviously we'll be press, pressing on our TDs, our local TDs, to get the legislation through that will t- do that. But I I'm I'm very confident that progress can be made and that we can bring down the level of rural crime and also, which is the most important thing at this time of the year, is the fear that's generated throughout the countryside. In many areas where there's no, maybe no crime at all, but people that are living on their own and living in isolated areas because of the hear of, of, of a crime maybe 20 miles away, they're, they're, you know, it creates fear. So I think that, that look, I'm, I'm, I'm confident that... Um, that progress is, is, is starting to be made, will be made. I think, look, and it's no secret, I think, I think the culture in the Gardaí has changed as well. There is a sea change. And I think that's, I'm, I'm optimistic about it. And I, from our point of view in IFA, our job is not to police the country. Our job is to support the guards and with, with all the members. And, and, in all, and the only reason we are active in this space is that we, our members are telling us that they are, you know, they're worried about the situation. And, you know, Everybody knows somebody who has a, somebody, something stolen. So Richard, what can farmers do to protect themselves from robberies or from intimidation? Well, 
the first thing I think is farmers should report everything that they see that is suspicious in their area to the Gardaí. And there was a there was a problem in the recent past, I'd say, or not over some time now, that <coughs> crime wasn't being reported because there was no response. I believe that there will be a response from the Gardaí you now, and I think the, I think they should be, we should report everything. The other thing is um, people that have you know make reasonable efforts to secure their own property. Um, always mark your own property. I think that's a message that I would give to everybody because the gals from time to time do do find stolen property, and the difficulty they have they can't find an owner for it because it's not marked. So that that would be. But I look. I come off the basis that. Um, I, you know, you can overdo the security bit because at the end of the day, if you have property, I have no right to take it from you. No, you have no right to take it from me. And we have, you know, we, we, we have to keep that in, 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 um, in our focus all the time, that people, that criminality. One of the things I've noticed, particularly in, tri- in trips abroad and particularly to, into Europe, into, we drive into farmers' yards in Europe and we're going visiting a farm and there are no locks in the gates. There's no... You know, there's no big security fence around the place. You know, it's just it's accepted that you don't steal any you don't other people's property. So that's where that's that's. I am confident that there's going to be progress, and we will support the guards in every way we can. There has been huge strides made on the community <coughs> alert side as well. Right. Communities mobilising themselves, sending around text messages. And the group Save Our Local Communities has put forward proposals um, to tag repeat offenders of rural crime with electronic devices uh, to prevent future crimes. What are your views on that? Look, um, I, we, we, there's no doubt that repeat offenders and people that are out on bail, you know, something has to be done about that to people that have a number of crimes committed and they're out on bail. That that needs to be handled. There is no doubt about that, you know. But um, I think a vis- I'm really all the time stressing the fact that we need more visibility of the girls because the opportunities are too great at the moment for criminality to exist in rural Ireland because the visibility of the girls is too low. And I think we'll get over a lot that way. That That's the first step. And then dealing with bail laws and all that, it needs to be done. It needs to be done immediately, but we can't wait for those laws to get active and dealing with criminal, the criminal activity in rural Ireland. Richard, would we'll leave it there. Thank you very much for joining us. Now, our reporter Sylvester Phelan travelled down to Littleton this week to speak to a farmer who has had a devastating impact with rural crime. Here's his story. Tipperary farmer and contractor Robert O'Shea was a victim of rural crime in recent years and has since become an advocate for rural crime prevention. He spoke to Agriland about his experiences. In August 14, my mother died and she was buried on the Thursday. On the following Saturday night and Sunday night, one night after the other, I was hit here in the yard. On Saturday night they came and they took diesel from the pumps here and from the tanks that are in at the back of the pumps there. They took batteries out of some of the machines and took the power tools out of the workshop. Came back on Sunday night and literally cleaned the place out. Spanners, tow chains, all the rest of the batteries. Batteries out of an electric forklift, out of an electric cherry picker that was in the air. Completely cleaned the place out. We estimate somewhere 20, 25,000 euros worth of stuff taken in that, okay, those two locations. After that, we um, just to, in this area now we highlighted the situation because there was a number of crimes going on in this area. And it has culminated, well, I won't say culminated, but it peaked with a meeting in the Anna Hotel on, in October 15. 
and we had over 2,000 people there. It was actually, we just looked at it as being a tool for people to vent their anger at rural crime and what was going on. Now, since then, the committee, of which I'm the chairman, Save Our Local Community, is still meeting. We're having a meeting actually tonight. And we have in the interim, we've met with the minister on two occasions, on two separate occasions, and we met with the Fianna Fáil party spokesman as well as that, as well as all our local politicians. Now, what has happened, I suppose, we are claiming, and uh, we still reckon that as a result of our meeting in Thurlis Operation Torquement being. Following on from this, Save Our Local Communities had a number of demands for government, including electronic monitoring, bail law reform, a clampdown on motoring offences and collections of fines at source. None of these have been implemented to date. Criminals have all the rights and the victims have none. The government were able to rush through legislation there for zero tolerance on drink driving. But yet when it comes to criminals, they don't want to do anything. Like electronic monitoring, for example, that bill in 2015, sorry, 2016, it was put to the doll. It was supposed to have passed through the doll and it's yet not enacted. And the same with reform of bail laws. Like, and a few simple things like that, and we put it to the minister, a few simple things like that would help the police and help the guards and what they're trying to do is combat crime. Like you read there on any, most of the bigger crimes, criminals have, we had figures for that had up to 200 previous convictions. Like any guy that has 200 previous convictions and still roaming around free, there's something wrong in that society. Robert noted that Save Our Local Community is currently researching and seeking help from national institutions. The group had previously gone to government, but had been told to research figures and needed backing from an authorised body. There's a number of smaller crimes. Like, <clears throat> what's actually happening around now is that an awful lot of smaller crimes aren't even been reported to the Guardi. Like, I had a friend of mine there oh, during the autumn, there during the fall sometime. This particular lady, she had two lawnmowers, hedge trimmers, an awful lot of garden stuff and her jeep emptied of diesel and she didn't even feel it worthwhile to, to report to the guardie because she said it was not going to happen. Like, and if you move out a bit further, like even just down the road here, I suppose, in Thurlis, there in the last three weeks, 11,000 euros worth of a quad taken from a business premises. Even I noticed there the guard figures lately were saying that crime levels are down, possibly because people aren't just bothering to report it to when the last government was uh, going out of office, Alan Kelly uh, granted 54,000 euro in aid to Littleton, Burgess and Bird Hill. Now for CCTV cameras. Now the cameras, if you pass through Littleton down, you'll see the cameras up, but they're not actually active yet because there's no one to monitor them because of the GDPR. Uh, like, I mean, that's the complete joke. Like, I mean, it's, and we're told again, they had needs legislation once again the criminal is getting away because legislation hasn't been passed through the door. We're joined now by Jackie Cahill, Fianna Fáil's spokesperson on food, horticulture and forestry. Jackie, we've seen in recent weeks how much of a problem rural crime remains. It's an ongoing issue year after year. It's, it's highlighted particularly around this time. And there are concerns, particularly in the North Dublin area, we've seen recently where farmers are warning that they may take matters into their own hands because they feel that the situation is not progressing. It's not improving. Jackie, if, if Gardaí know who the criminal gangs are, if they can identify these groups, why isn't the crime stopping? Well, I suppose, first of all, crime is both an urban and rural issue. 
And unfortunately, you know, we have seen, so it's crime on the increase in the last one to six weeks. We've seen a lot of rural crime in the last six weeks. But I suppose, you know, what has been brought to my attention in my CD for Tipperary and um, these gangs come on a Saturday or Sunday with, with 10, 12 dogs, lurchers, and they come and they're illegally hunting. And there's this widespread belief out there that they're doing this to gather information and they come back then to perform um, other activities afterwards, other thefts. And I think, you know, there's no one doubting that that's happening now at this stage. And definitely the trespass laws aren't strong enough for the guards to act on that. They're not allowed to seize the vehicles that are parked on the side of the road. They find it extremely hard to seize the dogs that they have doing this illegal hunting. So I think that's the, the trespass laws and that if people are on property that they shouldn't be on, that they should be arrested and be able to convicted of it. As it stands at the moment, the law is very weak as regards trespass, and that has to be strengthened. So I think that's the first thing that needs to be done. Obviously, there is the issue of gather resources. And like we see this week, we, uh, it was announced that Timbermore Station is closing from 7 o'clock in the evening, seven days a week. We hear that Cashel is going to close as well um, in the evening time. There's one... Um, um, there's one area in Tipperary, the, the care area, 52 guards assigned to that area. There's more than a third of them not available for work at the moment. So resources are an issue as well. Like if you're in a country area and you ring for you ring for guard assistance, if that's there's probably only one squad car available. If that's gone out to an accident or gone on patrol somewhere else, you could be waiting an hour, an hour and a half for a squad car to arrive. So I think resources is also is also an issue. And I think our whole, when guards do get people into court, then you have to look at the the whole judicial system and what sentences have been passed down by the judiciary. And we have numerous people out in bail for, you know, out in bail and committing crimes. I think when they appear back into the court system, they should get the full rigours of the law should be imposed on them. I'd also think tagging should be used here. We have the legislation in place to do that, but it's not being used. And anyone that's out in bail should be tagged. But, you know, and then there's the thing of legal aid, and it's really, you know, a nine people of free legal aid that people who have multiple offences can, can use free legal aid at will. And I had a case where a publican um, barred someone from his pub, put him out. The person took a case against him, um, lost it in the, in, the, in the district court, took it to the secret court, lost it again, and then took it to the high court. But all they had to pay was a minimum fee because they had free legal aid. But it cost the public in around 10,000 euros in legal fees. So, you know, people, property owners feel very aggrieved that these habitual criminals have free access to legal aid, don't ever incur any legal costs. And, you know, I think the fact that they have numerous offences when they're coming into court um, for, you know, when they are finally brought into court, they have numerous offences. I think all those areas need to be tightened up. And, you know, it's very frustrating for the guards as well when they bring in a, a, a criminal after doing painstaking work to get him into the court. And then maybe he just gets a slap on the knuckles when he gets into court. So I think the whole judicial system and the way the judiciary treats these people when they come to court has to be examined. You outlined there very clearly, Jackie, the problems in terms of the trespassing laws, the bail laws, and uh, the tagging legislation that has not uh, come to fruition, and uh, the issues around the free legal aid. What is Fianna Fáil doing to address those issues? Well, first of all, we're not in government, so we haven't got the power to introduce introduce these things. We brought a few bills through the doll um, in life of this present doll. Jim McCallan has been to the forefront to bring forward um, differently, brought forward laws on, on, on the bail, on, on, on the restrictions on, on bail and on tagging. And um, we are in the progress of, of designing um, legislation on trespass. So Jim McCallan has been to the forefront of putting these forward. But, you know, 
as I heard in the clip the earlier, earlier today there from, from, from Robert O'Shea, you know, this, some of this legislation has been put through the doll, but the Minister for Justice hasn't enacted it. So I think there's a lot of things there in the statute book and the Minister, Minister for Justice could enact that would, ha- that, would, that, would help, that would help the fight against crime. It's a lot of small measures that will win this battle. And like we have to, you know, as, the, as I outlined there, bail, the tagging of criminals, free legal aid, all those things need to be done. And if we start to put those things in place and harsher sentences, I think then we will start to win the battle. And Jack, you mentioned that Fianna Fáil are drafting um, a paper on trespassing, mm-hmm. changes to the trespassing laws. What are you proposing exactly? Well, that, you know, if you're on property and you shouldn't be on it, that the legislation will be in place that you can be prosecuted. As a stand at the moment, it's too vague, you know, between invited visitors and non-invited visitors and all the rest. It wants to be very plain, uh, you know, very, very plain that if you're on property that you, that you haven't been invited onto, that you are guilty of trespass and you can be prosecuted. So I think to make it simple, if you're on land where you shouldn't be, or on property where you shouldn't be, that you can be arrested and convicted. And wintertime is a peak time of the year for rural crime for these issues for these reports when will that draft legislate draft paper be ready when will that be complete well jim is working on that at the moment so i you know i'm not sure he says that the trespass laws are complicated and you know he's a senior counsel so he's working on that so hopefully it'll be ready sooner rather than later but unfortunately when we're not in government either we do get it through the um, the doll and to get it enacted it's up to the minister for justice do you think that there is a serious issue, serious concern out there that farmers could potentially take this into their own hands. Is that just, are, are we on the precipice of a bigger problem here? Well, farmers are getting extremely frustrated and extremely annoyed. And if you were out four or five times, or if you have to start getting litres in, in, in delivered in 200, uni, 200 litre units rather than getting your tanks filled, that's all extremely annoying. And you feel you have people, you know, trespassing and, and stealing from you on a continuous basis, obviously you're going to get annoyed and frustrated. And if they do come across people at night on their property, I would be afraid that it would spill over. And, you know, people are getting a lot more vigilant, uh, watching their property and offering more are keeping their eyes out for people so I think it's only a matter of time that a lot of these people will be caught on the premises because people are you know patrolling their own premises and they have cameras put in and they, you know they have lights in different places in the yard so they are you know they are putting in extra security but with that extra security they will have extra knowledge and they will know if people are on the premises and a person's first reaction is to defend his property and you know that will lead to confrontation. Jackie Mockner-Firmer carried out a recent survey where they, where it was listed that rural crime and rural isolation are the two big issues facing communities. On the rural isolation side, uh, concerns have also been raised quite recently with the new drink driving laws and that that could lead to further isolation in rural areas. Now, the laws obviously uh, disqualify a, a motorist for three months if they're found over the limit. What is your uh, response to those new laws and do you think it could compound rural isolation problems? I suppose the first thing is there's a perception out there that there's zero tolerance. The limits actually for drink driving hasn't changed. Uh, the penalties have changed. Before, if you were caught between 50 milligrams and 80 milligrams of blood, you got um, penalty points and a fine, where now you get some automatic disqualification for three months. So, you know, the limit hasn't changed, and there is a perception out there that the limit is down at zero. That's not the case. It's still at the 50 milligrams. You know, um, modern society... 
um, has zero tolerance as regards drink driving. And, you know, if you meet a family where uh, they have been a victim of a person being killed by a drink by a, by a person by a, by a drink driver, you know, there's nothing you can say to them. Their family member has been taken away from them under, under very cruel circumstances. So the law of the land is clear. And, you know, you can't you can't be driving in excess of the 50 milligrams um, um, units in, in your blood. Will it lead to problems with regards to rural isolation? Yes, most definitely. And people are afraid to go to the local pub now, which they used to do in the past. The local pub is the, is the social outlet for, you know, rural Ireland, and people are afraid to go to it. The infrastructure isn't there to provide transport in, in, in rural areas. Hopefully, you know, the towns and provincial areas, that there can be some form of rural transport provided. I know, you know, Leader and, you know, Rural Link are working on that. And if they could do that two or three nights a week or whether there was a car game on that people, you know, could be ferried back and forth, you know, that, that would obviously would help. But that's not going to help the, you know, the real remote areas where there's a pub at a crossroads where people traditionally drove to that and had a game of cards and a few pints. So, yes, the change in laws is going to bring problems to rural isolation. And, you know, rural isolation also brings you know depression and other and other mental health issues as well because you know it is clearly shown that rural isolation and mental health are closely linked to each other and I actually had Keith Swanee down to give a talk on Torres there lately he's a senator in the Dáil he's a GP in Belmullet and he has published a paper on loneliness and the impact it has and rural isolation and loneliness and mental health they're all closely linked but you know whatever we can do as we get getting rural linked to provide transport in areas has to be done but it's not going to solve, you know, to get people to the pub at a crossroads. What about enforcing the law? Do you think the guards will face challenges there enforcing this this new drink driving law? No, I think the guards are well able to, you know, do that. Uh, I was tra- travelling, I was I, w- I was on the tractor Sunday morning myself at half eight on Sunday morning. They were at a crossroads, 200 yards from where I live. So, you know, the guards are implementing the, are implementing the law and they are there. They are out in force. And I suppose always coming up to Christmas, there is a blitz on, on enforcing drink driving laws. So I think the guards will enforce legislation that's there. And I suppose you will have the cry from people in rural areas. We'd rather see the squad car patrolling the lanes and watching for these criminals than having checkpoints on routes. But, you know, both has to be done. And as I said, the issue of gathering resources is paramount in fighting crime. And I think, you know, at night people would like to think that they would see a Gaelic car on patrol watching for criminals, you know, rather than, you know, watching for criminals and driving down lanes to see is there any cars that haven't, you know, they know the cars that are local to a locality and if they see strange cars in an area that they, they would be monitored and see, you know, what exactly what kind of activity are they up to. So a greater Gala presence in, in rural areas is imperative if we're to crack the, the crime that's there at the moment. We're out of time, I'm afraid. Jackie, thank you very much for coming in to us. That's it for this week. Thanks very much to all our guests for joining us and to our sponsors, Homeland. If you want to get in touch with the Farmland or Agriland teams, you can call or email us or reach out to us on our social media channels. Thank you at home for watching and we'll see you next week.